Hello listeners, welcome to Itihasa, an Indic history podcast, and you're listening to the season Vijayanagara. In the last episode and the sixth part of the art and architecture series of the season, we explored the coinage and currency of Vijayanagara. We tried to understand how mundane things like coins were used as tools of royal propaganda and power. And we saw how Vijayanagara was one of the first South Indian empires that realized the potential of coins in furthering its influence in the form of soft power on the minds of its subjects and enemies alike. In this episode, we will look in depth at one of the most fascinating women of the 15th and 16th century Vijayanagara. The woman who straddled the royal courts of emperors, held the nobility in the palm of their hands, cuddled with the richest of the merchants and ignited the passions and imagination of artists, writers and scholars alike. For us modern-day Indians, the word Devadasi unfortunately has a strong and repugnant connotation to it. While they are a dying breed, they still look down upon as prostitutes. In this episode, we will see how these women were much more than prostitutes in the 15th and 16th century Vijayanagara. And most importantly, we will look at their lives and how Vijayanagara as a society treated these women, the topic of sex and prostitution. Some listeners might recollect that I had spoken briefly about royal courtesans and devadasis in the heart of Humpy episode. I think it was the 8th or 9th episode of the season. Do check it out if you haven't already. It's a very interesting episode on the role of temples in Vijayanagara. Most importantly, this episode will depict how unfortunately some things are still the same even to this day. And also how ironically, the 15th to 16th century Hampi might have been much more empowering place for a professional prostitute and a devadasi than a 21st century India. As part of the research for this episode, I've primarily referred to an essay by V Lalita from the book Comprehensive History and Culture of Andhra Pradesh Volume 5. So these women forced to become courtesans at an early age when they were dedicated for life by parents or guardians to a deity of stone. The community of women that history now refers to as devadasis somehow managed to carve out a powerful social space for themselves they left their mark on medieval art and literature on sculpture music and dance the institution that brought them into being was the temple but the main deity was treated on par with the king it was evoked with music bathed with milk and fragrant incense offered the choicest foods three times a day given rest in the afternoon and night when the ordinary doors to the sanctum sanctorum would close with much pomp and ceremony and festivals were celebrated in its honor the ruling deity of each major temple also had its own baby of dancing girls the devadasis though during the proper vijayanagara period in between the 14th and 16th centuries they were mostly known as sarnis or sanulus 
or simply as vicious that is courtesans or prostitute while earlier 12th century inscriptions used words like sarnalu and manlu the word devadasi is unknown in both telugu and sanskrit the famous historian late k nilakantha shastri had observed that the devadasi tradition was in vogue even in the 1st century CE in ancient India. Though, then the word Sanalu was commonly used. We come across the name of Challava, a dancer and musician of repute, in 7th century CE inscriptions. But she is not referred to by the word Devadasi. By the 15th century, it was a matter of prestige for temples to employ Devadasis in good numbers they did not live on the temple premises but visited morning and evening to perform their duties we learn from various sources that they were appointed on a permanent and hereditary basis and that there was a flourishing business in temple prostitution from the temple inscriptions and the literary references of the period it's clear that devadasis also performed certain rituals along with the priests and other religious functionaries they bathed the deity with scented water and fanned it they sang and danced behind the chariots when the deities were taken out in procession and also sang and danced to devotional hymns during the early morning ritual while medieval inscriptions nowhere refer to any ceremony marking the official dedication of these girls to the temple deity inscriptions refer to the existence of a guild of sarnis in temples implying that the dedication of girls to the deity was commonplace enough not to require a separate mention devadasis were looked after by the bestowal of grants of land and other gifts for their services rendered we learn of a ranganayakiyar manikyam a dancing girl and daughter of sendika devi being given the first turn to perform in a temple and being rewarded with land in 1356 ce during the reign of harihara 1 in 1358 ce varadhi ranganayakiyar manikyam sister was given some land and some prasadam from the temple we also learn that varnavi akka an admirer of harihara 1 became a devadasi at the temple of pampapati in the now bellari district of karnataka and which is 30 kilometers from hampi and we have records of some vaishyas in 1359 ce performing nama sankirtanam and performing yakshagana which is the traditional form of theater art to the accompaniment of musical instruments like veena flute mridangam and cymbals and then we have references of some talirur brahmins in 1369 ce constructing a new village and giving land donations to meet the expenditure of dancing girls for the temple of madhusudana swami in 1372 ce we have one ramanna son of nagappa dedicating a girl called Ketava to the temple of Veerapanchala Vijayapuri and giving land for her welfare. 
and in 1382 CE we learn that two sanis conducted a ritual ceremony of fanning the deity and drew designs with the rice floor and decorated the deity for the same the expenditure of this lady was borne by the royal family at times the devadasis led deputations to the king on behalf of the temples they were associated with a dancer attached to the temple of agneshwara at madam met devaraya the two and received a village endowment called sarvamanya as a gift for the temple in 1433 ce in return for her services the rudra maheshwara priest of the temple granted her one padakku padakku is some sort of a measurement you know of unit a fixed quantity of grain every day and two panam of money per month devadasis were economically independent socially respectable and politically privileged in other words they had nothing in common with family women or housewives their profession was as legitimate as any other they paid taxes to the state accompanied armies to the battlefield and obtained the blessings of gods and goddesses all devadasis were prostitutes but not all prostitutes were devadasis the word sule was used in grants made to temples and that was a reference to a devadasi these sules had permission from the government to ply their trade of flesh if they chose to the taxes collected from them were called sule deres This levy on prostitutes and devadasis clearly shows that the Vijayanagara state recognized prostitution as a valid profession. One foreign traveler has written that the salaries of soldiers were met with the taxes collected from prostitutes. The huge police force of the capital was also maintained on the proceeds derived from brothels. With this it is only obvious that during the vijayanagara period prostitution flourished and was regarded as one of the city's thriving professions an inscription dated to 1555 ce was found in markapuram in now karnool district of telangana and it refers to a lanje sunakam this was a levy on prostitution collected by the government during temple festivals keeping mirrors at home also provided tax income to the state since antiquity in ancient india mirrors have been associated with dancing girls there is even evidence of this in the ajanta ellora caves according to an inscription of hariharada 2 dated to 1380 ad there was an exhibition of mirrors in vijayanagaram and there was a handsome tax collected on them too Devadasis as such were quite rich and often played a dominant role as liberal donors to Hindu temples mostly to seek immortality An inscription from 1431 CE mentions of bhoga melas which was donations of courtesans during marriages and it states that part of this money was given to the temple There is a reference to one Valundi daughter of Anaimani providing a monetary gift as an offering to Sri Venkateshwara of Tirumala Tirupati to 
towards the performing of Dhanurmasa Puja in 1486 CE, which is during the reign of Salavan Narasimha Devaraya. There is also an inscription dated to 1517 CE during the reign of Sri Krishna Devaraya that states that Tiramalai Amman, daughter of Rajakam Kuppai, made a generous donation of 3,000 panams for the daily worship of Sri Venkateshwara. 3,000 panams is a huge and a generous amount for a Devadasi to give it to the temple. There are many inscriptions like these that depict the generosity shown by the rich and affluent courtesans and Devadasis in Vijayanagara. For example, we have an inscription from 1545 CE during the reign of Sadasivaraya and Alia Ramaraya showing one Nagasani, a temple dancer, constructing a mandapa at Tirupati Tirmala for the main deity Sri Venkateshwara. And another reference to one Venkatamanikkam from 1546 CE, who is a famous temple dancer and how she was granted a Dandikai or also known as a Palang Queen or Pallaki for her use by the trustees of Tirumala Temple. It was given as a token of honour for services rendered by her in Tirumala Tirupati. All of these inscriptions indicate the status of Devadasis during Vijayanagara period. Some of them were even given the greatest privilege to accompany the deity in the chariot during Brahmotsavam at Tirumala Tirupati. While the profession of a Devadasi could be termed as a trade in flesh, but the girls of rich families sought the shelter of Devadasis to escape social tyranny and rigidity enforced on these girls. And girls belonging to lower sections of the society were sold to these guilds of Devadasis. These young girls were then given training in music, dance, art, literature, philosophy and taught the techniques of sexual science based on the Kama Sutra. Members of this profession had free access to the royal zanana too. Almost all Devadasis remained unmarried, were literate and extremely accomplished in music and dance. And a majority of them earned their livelihood through prostitution. It's important to point out the fact that prostitution was in a way sanctified by the temple as a legitimate institution and hence it was tolerated by contemporary society. In fact, people back then even considered it a very much lawful and honourable profession. A small percentage of Devadasis even got into permanent alliances with Brahmins and other high-caste Hindu men. In a male-dominated and patriarchal 16th-century Vijayanagara society, the more exceptional among this group of women rose to positions of great power and influence. It is said that even women from the emperor's harem would vie to gain their ear or rather more unfortunately vie to regain the attention of the Devadasi besotted spouses. When his queen complained that the king Vijay Raghava Nayaka was spending all his time with the Devadasi Ragajamma, the latter taunted what business do you have blaming us, my lady? Aren't you a woman yourself? Don't you know how to make a man fall in love? 
Rangajamma was considered Vijay Raghava Nayaka's de facto wife. Other Devadasis with similar clout included Muddhachandra Rekha, a dancer at the court of Aliya Ramaraya, who caught the notoriously roving eye of King Raghunath Nayaka. Raghunath Nayaka was a vassal of the Emperor of Vijayanagara. Having given assistance to Ramaraya on the battlefield, Raghunath Nayaka requested that Muddhachandra Rekha be sent to him as a gift in return. Not to be outdone, she demanded pearls, a pallaki, and that the pallaki be accompanied by lights and virudhumittaralu on her journey to Raghunath Nayaka's court. Interesting thing is, Muddhachandra Rekha eventually wrote a kavya called Rajagopala Vilasam. The poet Kalka is known to have taught Devadasi's literature. Chinna Devi, a famous dancer at the Virupaksha temple in Hampi, was known for her knowledge of music, dance and literature and also for her great beauty. Krishna Devaraya fell in love with her, married her and considered her his favorite queen. And this was the Queen Chinna Devi. Many literary works of the period touching upon the lives of the Devadasis spin a fine yarn about the romantic love for the deity most expressed with erotic sensuality this 16th century clearly marked the birth of romantic movement in telugu literature with poets borrowing insignificant plots from legends and building the story with romance their interest lay in portraying character describing natural beauty and analyzing emotions romance written in this period was deeply influenced with the presence of and role played by devadasis especially in the court and intended to satisfy the pleasure seeking instincts of the leisure class it contained shringara rasa and the erotic sentiment associated with it very generously prabandha literature under vijayanagara rule provides a space for all the traditionally identified navarasas or nine emotions but eroticism occupied the pride of place the great vijayanagara ruler shri krishna devaraya the author of amukta malyada also holds a significant place among prabandha poets his work amukta malyada is spun around the love of goda devi the daughter of a temple priest for the deity of sri villiputtur here again love for the deity is couched in erotic terms in this work krishna devaraya also describes the vaishyas in sole bazar and how they sit and talk about their experiences in obscene language he observes how their houses were filled with customers and that they played dice with them chewed beetle leaves and scrubbed their red teeth with grains of rice the great emperor himself was known to capture vaishyas as plunder from the enemy kingdoms it is therefore clear that by the 15th and 16th centuries the devadasi had most definitely bridged the gap between temple and palace and captured the popular imagination enough to be made the main character of the works of poets the then contemporary poet rankara swami evidently much impressed by them 
describes Devadasis in this way. Quote, They kill onlookers with a glance, plunder them by flashing a smile, and capture the fortress of the heart by the way they move. In her dance, a courtesan turns round and round like a whirlpool in the sea of love. She sways to the right and left like a young serpent or a snake upon a beetle leaf in the morning sun. Unquote. We learn that not just Devadasis, but many other devotees too sang in temples with an emotional and sensual intensity. We have to understand that the erotic imagination was a distinctive feature of many of these devotional literatures. Nevertheless, Sarnis or Devadasis were expected by many poets to uphold social morality as much as daughters and wives nurtured within a family. We see this clearly in Durjati's Shri Kalahasti Mahatyam where he describes two types of Vaishyas. Those dedicated to the deity rendering services with commitment and dedication and others who gave importance to material and sensual pleasures of life. This poet cites a Vaishya mother, Manikya Valli, dedicated to the deity at Kalahasti, who taught her daughters how to earn money and become rich, as was her custom, habit and profession. But the daughters who were also dedicated to the deity refused to follow the mother's path. Dhurjati approvingly dubs them as ascetics and he castigates the mother as a Vaishya with loose morals and integrity. The poet Dhurjati also raises a social voice and condemns forced prostitution, lamenting the lost childhood of young girls. He writes poignantly, When are they going to walk? When are they going to speak? When are they going to study? When are they going to sing? And when are they going to dance? What's really interesting is the fact that Dhurjati makes a distinction between voluntary and forced prostitution before making a judgment. And like we saw earlier, he seems to be making a case-by-case assessment of the character of a Devadasi instead of generalizing all of them as loose characters and material seekers. The poet Adrishya in Praudarayana Karya describes the area where Devadasis lived during the reign of Mallikarjuna Raya in 1447 CE like this. Quote, The palace of decoration, a collection of beauty, the shop of cunning, the house of poison of ten states of mind, joy for the eyes, the harvest field of Cupid, the home of sins, the garden of love, the wave of the amour, the appointed place of eagerness, the birthplace of affectation, the street of harlots who look like garlands of Cupid." Unquote. Another poet, Padmarasa, displays an equally strong reaction like this. Quote, Border of sin, limit of sorrow, town of several kinds of danger, great palace wherein character is lost, with this sort of evil reputation is burdened this street. Home of the work of cutthroats, place of much deceit, house of lies, 
dwelling place of capture the bazaar of cleverness birthplace of disease all of these the harlots street contains unquote another poet describes how the vaishyas or devadasis lived in a street called jara bazaar where one hears loud voices in different languages the poet adds that even if sages entered the street they would end up as willing customers tales recounted by travelers of the period and inscriptions paint a picture of mass prostitution for survival the portuguese traveler domingo pais wrote this quote the hindus feed the idol every day for they say that he eats when the women dancers dance before him in the temple these women are of loose character and they live in the best streets unquote in the opinion of domingo pais any respectable man could go to their houses without any blame being attached to them devadasis were allowed to enter the houses of the wives of the king and were allowed to stay there and eat betel leaf pan with them that was the order of privilege given to them a central asian traveler abdur razak in 1443 ce refers to sarnis and states that the magnificence of places of this kind the beauty of the young girls in them their allurements and their grace surpass all descriptions he also observes that that the girls were of low moral character but all the same were held in high esteem even by the royalty another chronicler says they were directly or indirectly pioneers and founders of artistic cultural or national traditions and systems of their own thought and way of life and dancing was not restricted to the class of courtesans or devadasis but was regarded as one of the fine arts in which all classes of people participated another european traveler pietro delia vale describes a troop of dancing girls as being adorned with bridles rings on their legs necklaces and other ornaments of gold with breastplates almost round and in the fashion of a shield and embroidered with gold and jewels the european traveler nicolo di conti had this to say quote public women are everywhere to be had residing in particular houses of their own in all parts of cities who attract the men by their sweet perfumes and ointments by their blandishments beauty and youth for the indians are much addicted to promiscuity in sexual matters but unnatural crimes are unknown among them unquote this is a really interesting observation by nicolo conti and i find it fascinating how he says that while indians might have a great sexual appetite and at times stretch the limits of eroticism they rarely commit unnatural crimes the latter observation echoes even in the writings of the 7th century chinese traveler huan sang who visited india during the gupta period the institution of temple dancers did not just benefit the court and create a class of so-called women of easy virtue 
but it also spurred the development of dance and music as primarily devotional art forms. Dance masters were appointed in every temple to give training. Inscriptions reveal that on 25th January 1518 CE, Krishna Devaraya granted two villages for the maintenance of dance masters in a temple. Achyuta Devaraya is said to have made provisions for the maintenance of two dancing girls for the temple, sending them to a renowned teacher, Sri Rangaraya, who held the title of Vidvat Sabaraya Ranjakam or Master of Music and Dancing. and whose proficiency was appreciated by the assembly of learned people as well as the king dance sourced to a divine origin was prided as an accomplishment even by women of royal families kings and their vassals built ornate and architecturally embellished dance halls on natyashalas and rangamandapas both separately and as recreational venues in palaces and temple complexes The vassals of Vijayanagara emperors hardly lag behind in the patronage and cultivation of arts of dancing and music. Raghunath Nayaka of Tanjavur was himself a master of music and a noted composer. And the Nayaka rulers were noted authors of yakshagana works. One of Raghunath's Devadasi brides, Madhuravani, had authored a work called Sri Ramayana Sara Kavya Tilaka a Sanskrit version of the Telugu epitome of the Ramayana composed by Raghunatha As you can see this was the caliber of devadasis and prostitutes of the 16th century Vijayanagara Another interesting thing worth pointing out is wrestling It was a popular sport at the time of Krishna Devaraya Women and many devadasis were trained and adept in wrestling too. We learn of a wrestling match arranged by Krishna Devaraya among two devadasis. As listeners can see, devadasis and courtesans of Vijayanagara were no glam dolls sitting in air-conditioned showcases. They were true beauties with both the brains and the bronze. No surprise why and how they commanded such a level of respect. even by royalty these women became an inspiration for sculptors and painters too statues of dancing women in different postures adorned the walls of the hazara rama temple at hampi the portuguese traveler domingo pais describes the stone pillars of a natyashala where dance performances took place where he says each pillar had female dancers painted on them The Natyashala's walls also had paintings of dancers in varying expressive postures. During this period, the fine arts reached their peak. Temples became storehouses for the arts and centers for the development and promotion of dance and music. The Devadasi system, while no doubt enriching art and culture, also reflected a sand and at times an exploitative aspect of the society the social sanction given by the temple to this institution led devadasis to become not only rich and powerful but also led them to become prey to all manner of men who were able to claim a social right over their services in short 
after a point the system became extremely corrupt and debased it is truly an achievement of many of these women that they managed to stand system on its head and carve out an independent social space for themselves where they could to an extent control their destinies in a male dominated society also it's worth mentioning that the 15th and 16th century vijayanagara and to an extent ancient and medieval india's attitudes towards prostitution was indeed remarkable that shows a high level of wisdom and civilizational maturity when it came to handling sensitive issues like sex and sexuality from the accounts of travelers and contemporary literature one can clearly make out that vijayanagara society was a sexually liberated place where sexuality and eroticism was considered as a valid part of one's life and celebrated to an extent the legal and moral sanction given to prostitution in vijayanagara and its rulers treating it as a legitimate and honorable profession shows clearly that people and rulers back then realized that sex and prostitution was here to stay and it couldn't be banned or wished away by wishful thinking which was driven by short-sighted moralistic stances the human craving for primal needs like food and sex are part of human evolution and very natural realizing and acknowledging this helps any society whether in the past present or future to create resilient social structures that ensure a social order with reasonable self-regulatory safety nets in place i sincerely hope the listeners enjoyed this full length episode on devadasis in vijayanagara if you did please hit the subscribe button and leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening a huge thank you for taking the time to listen to the show i hope to see you soon in the next episode till then this is narendra vikram your host and narrator signing off hope you have a great week ahead